You're listening to the Sleuth Podcast. Real private investigators here to help you find the truth when you need to know. Sharing sometimes shocking, sometimes heartwarming, and sometimes hilarious stories from the field. They keep it real. Interviews with experts bring you insights on how people leverage PIs in their lives and in their businesses. Licensed by the Department of Public Safety, here's your hosts, Jamie and Lindsay. And we're back. I'm Lindsay. This is Jamie. We're the Sleuths. You are listening to the Sleuth Podcast. We're private investigators here for you when you really need to know. <laughs> Ew. Good afternoon. Hey, how was your week? It was well, good. See, I asked you this time. Yes. That's so nice. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> did a little bit of networking. I did B&I. Anybody knows about B&I? B&I is uh, this gigantic networking opportunity where you kind of like belong to this crew and they do everything they can to refer business to you and you do the same to them. I was able to step in and sub for Steve Roper, who is college hunks hauling junk. So how that ended up happening is we actually go to church together. We were just chit-chatting. We're moving out of our Garner space and into the Regis space. I had an old upright piano that I've had forever. Got the piano removed. It was excellent. They were gone in like 20 minutes. And so that was a... To me, a gigantic yeah, have, like, piece of money to spend Special like piano training, right? Training? Training, yeah, to like move pianos. I know when I used a moving company, it wasn't them, it was someone else, but they had special piano training. And I had to pay like a lot of money to move my piano from my mother's house to my house. It was pretty expensive. But I guess the big deal is like nobody wants pianos anymore. So they don't have so any place sad. to take them. I know. Into the arts. Did you have anything exciting? I mean, I did a little networking. Did you have anything exciting happen this mm. week? No, I never updated you guys on my um, bachelorette party. Great. Hey. <laughs> all the dicks. I, I know you've all been just dying to know. So I did the poll class. Poll class was so much fun. I'm definitely going to go back to that, and I'm taking Jamie with me. How was the pregnant lady? There. She's six months pregnant, but she's like a little tiny pixie, so she's not like huge pregnant. She's a baby bump. Aww. Right. So <laughs> she she did really well. Uh, she had to take a few bathroom breaks. You know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> but she was super cute. And we had a guy with us. He did a great job. He definitely had like special pole. How like, was your instructor? She was really cool. Um, was she, she a stripper was, for real life? No, they're not strippers. They're like, these are people who are very fitness minded to think like a regular personal trainer. But whereas in ballet, your bar is horizontal and pole, your, your <laughs> bar is vertical. <laughs> so mostly it, it's like an hour long class for your first one. And it's a lot of stretches. And then they teach you like some very basic moves. We did like the fireman spin, which is, you know, your typical, how do you spin around that thing when it doesn't spin on its own? I have a lot of bruises. They're mostly gone now. But I did pretty damn good. I was proud of myself. And some of the people that I thought would do really well, um, not so much. So it's all all of my expectations were completely flip-flopped. And the party itself was, it was decent. You know. Aww. You know how it goes when you put a lot of thought and time into throwing someone a party and they're like, mm. Oh, man. Or maybe you don't know how that goes. It sucked. I'm a little <laughs> mad at her. Like, I love you, but... Be appreciative, damn it. I worked well, hard you know on what? this. Shit. Well, like I was telling you, you know, it's a big deal to be somebody's maid of honor, bridesmaid, whatever. Right. Whatever I'm not even maid is. of honor, and I I'm... still threw you this whole damn thing. <laughs> 
the dick cake though that was great my little like, pixie pregnant friend it she had like poop pubes on it i was like ah! it was huge <laughs> it was excellent it was like a sheet pan it, yeah it was cream filled <laughs> like a poke cake you know you like literally poke it yeah and, and then you, you fill it with it stuff that's gross. like custard <laughs> she said the last time she made one nobody ate it she was heartbroken <laughs> just cut the head like off she she rolled on. the fondant out and I know. She was like, try the shaft. Oh, did it have? <laughs> wow. Flesh colored fondant. She does everything. Scratch. I probably wouldn't eat that either. Uh, and there were dicks everywhere. So that's your update. Now you no longer have to hear about the bachelorette party ever it's until over. we update you when I drag Jamie to a pole class sometime. I have to hem my dress. You're so, she's such a Susie homemaker. If, um, I'm not going to do it myself. Shit. Well, I saw you make this roast the other day. Last yeah, I'm pretty week. good at that. You, you had a bag full of frozen what what was that it looked kind of like i saw you looking at me all weird <laughs> those were my vegetables celery why all my vegetable scraps like the the end of your celery your little onion skins the tips and of your what carrots. do you do with those here we go again what do we do with what do you do with that <laughs> i'm gonna put them in a crock pot with a lot of water and boil them for like on low for i don't know maybe like 10 hours i'm just gonna see how that goes some bay leaves and then you just kind of strain it all out and instead of a bone broth you have veggie broth huh yeah so, okay. Extract on, all on those the, nutrients. That's a good idea. Right. And I, then after you do that, you can cool it and you can put it into ice cube trays and freeze them. And then you can put them into another gallon bag. And then you've got little veggie broth cubes that you could use for cooking and stuff. Like throw like three or four of those cubes into when you're steaming your broccoli or whatever you're doing. I actually like that idea. Mm -hmm. Much better than the chicken bones. So on um, <laughs> on the fire within episode that we were on, she's like, I had to uh, lick all the sauce off of them before yeah, so I boil. She, like, they uh, eat the you were family. not alone on that. I thought that was weird. Yeah, too, yeah me and Joe were just like, uh. you could wash it. You have a damn sink. So she uh, does the same thing with like a whole chicken. You have cooked the chicken and eaten the chicken after you've dipped the chicken into the ranch and sucked the bones. Okay. But. I'm going to uh, make me some veggie broth. That that one was interesting. Like, you know, the ends of the celery. Everything. I mean, like, all your vegetables. I haven't really figured out yet. Like, did you put the, the hard part of the onion in there too? Like mm -hmm. the brown part? That's what I thought I saw. Yeah. I wasn't sure. Like when I was cutting the jalapenos, if I was like, hmm, can I put this stem into my veggie broth? I wonder what that would be like. I don't want to put anything in there that would make it bitter. That would probably be bitter. Right. Aren't the stems bitter? I don't know. Be. I've never ate a jalapeno stem. I thought about it. I was like, I wonder if she's looking. Can I chew this up real quick? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I was definitely did. looking. But Sorry to make shit weird. but <laughs> That's okay. You know, I'm learning a lot of things. You know, learning how to make broths of all kinds. That was cool. All right. Our uh, new and noteworthy thing that we we're going to talk about today found this article about a shooting in the Kansas City nightclub. Let's so talk about what it. you were talking about at Sushi today. What's that? You said that when you were on the Ain't Shit Show, they were talking about this club that you used to go to all the time. And <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, black. <laughs> so I uh, went to go to went to Black Ties, um, which was a like if you were anybody's anybody in Raleigh, in Raleigh. probably like ten years. I'm, I'm not that old, so sometimes I still think I'm twenty one. So, but about ten fifteen years ago, I guess it was. I'm terrible at time frames, but Black Ties was like the place to be. And there were some shootings out there at times. And I, I was talking about, you know, I had to low crawl to my car, you know, once, <laughs> <laughs> one time only. Because uh, I never be did funny, it again. But that's so funny to me. Oh, my God. And they had the huge parking lot. The thing oh. about Black Ties is like the building is located like in this big, like, 
dip right off of like 440 in New Bern. And there are like two ways to leave out. Like you can like cut through like Raleigh North-ish kind of area or you can like hit New Bern and then you have to like maybe crazy U-turn to kind of get back on the. So it's all behind the building. The parking lot is huge. It was just like, you know, anything could pop off. you in there. Right. It's set up to die. <laughs> so one day, you know, after the club, so I was like shooting in the parking lot Never and gave. literally we were... I mean, I probably wasn't like actually low crawling, but I felt like I was low crawling because, of course, you want to stay like below the, you know, the vehicle. So super scary. I made it to my vehicle and never went back. So it kind of reminded me of this whole (laughs) just looking at me like, huh? Yeah. So which is why I don't do a lot of clubs now, because no, I just don't have time. I remember out of that pretty quickly. Well, some people, you know, club up until they're like old. I mean, like, you know what, though, I can already tell you what those people look like. Is that sad? run down and lack of hydration and water right like <laughs> like you've been smoking a pack a day and right. drinking nothing but fucking blue Pepsi. mixed drinks <laughs> blue motorcycles <laughs> right blue motorcycles and a pack of cigarettes <laughs> a leathery way skin to live. long Don't hair go to the club. you'll come to club shoes. when you're out of like out of the wherever you live floppy <laughs> you're floppy floppy old and floppy people crawling. at the bar who like don't dance anymore until they they just dance while they're sitting down on their bar stool. Oh, yeah, see, we it. all yeah. <laughs> we have an image. That's why you stop going when you're in your twenties. I'm almost about to be thirty. Yeah, you're not even there. I'm about yet. to have a meltdown. Don't. Not like now. Oh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time for meltdowns, Lindsay. No, <laughs> you gotta work. <laughs> if I made it through thirty, you can make it through thirty. I still in denial. I tell my Sunday school kids I'm 21. And they look at me, and then they look at my kid, and my kid's, like, taller than I am, and they're confused. And I'm like, don't worry about all that. Just, just make good decisions, kids. <laughs> just, just make good you're, decisions. You're too young to know math. Don't worry exactly. about it. <laughs> exactly. So, in this story, it's in Kansas City, Missouri, and so I guess all this popped off after the Kansas City Chiefs, who are now going to the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years, they were having a big old party. I guess a gentleman had a, an incident with somebody inside and ends up leaving outside of the club and just decides to start shooting up everybody that's in the in the line in front of the club one girl was killed and i think like 15 or so were injured here it says two bystanders were killed and injured 15 others and it's terrible that's terrible did the shooter know the person that was killed or was it just random? No, he just, so he got into a verbal altercation with inside the club. And once he went outside, began shooting people who were in a line waiting to get in. They have identified the victim that had died as 25 year old Raven Parks. And the gentleman who actually was doing this random killing was killed himself by the club security guard. He heard the gunshots, went outside, confronted the gunman and killed him. So what a terrible thing for that security scary. guard. I know. I know. I thought about that with Lindsay, right? Because you did security. Well, that was one of our things. Prevention is that no, the same? No, I did armed security also. Way uh-huh. longer than I did loss prevention. Did um, you carry a gun? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever had to shoot anybody? <laughs> no. I know. I just wanted to ask that. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> that used to, people ask that all the time, though. It's one of those stupid questions. Have you shot anybody yet? Would uh-huh. that be great though if her answer was like, "Yeah, a bunch of people." Yeah. <laughs> she just okay. never talks about it. Only three. But. <laughs> No biggie. I wouldn't talk about <laughs> it either. Just so, some legs. First of all, when I did security, the first company I worked with, Encompass Southeast Security, their insurance policy had something written it in it to where we could not be working anywhere where alcohol was sold and consumed because we definitely worked at, you know, 
retail settings where right. I was sold, but not drinking on property or drunk on property, whatever. So no, I was never in a nightclub situation. I never would want to be. First of all, there <laughs> nightclub security guards kind of have their own stigma that goes about them. And I never wanted to be one of those. You know, first of all, I'm five, six. And at that time, I was much more petite than I am now and <laughs> younger and prettier, probably. And Aww. even if you dressed me up in a class A uniform and put a full size weapon on my hip, they would not have taken that seriously. No. And, you know, people are jerks. A lot of times they wouldn't take it seriously. And I'm like, okay, you know, one, fuck you, two, bye. <laughs> I just. What, what am I supposed to do? You don't take me seriously. What do you want me to think about that? Am I supposed to respond in some way? Go inside and fucking get hammered and leave or, you know, buy your, whatever you're buying and go. Right. I mean, I'm here to do a job. But, no, I, w- I would never work for a company like that, first of all, because you were there in case this situation happens. That's like being a firefighter and not wanting to respond to a fire. Yeah. You know, I, I never wanted to be in that situation. That's kind of crazy. All that I'm reading is that they, a shooting took place, what, inside? And then the... No, no, the, there was an argument inside. So I'm thinking either this story just says he came out and started shooting people in a line. But I'm thinking he more than likely did not have the gun on him. He probably, like, went to the car right quick and kind of came back and just, like, open fired, which is crazy. Maybe. And I'm not sure what it's like in Missouri, but in North Carolina, we had specific rules about searching So you could perform employee searches as a PPSB licensed security guard in North Carolina if the client allowed you to and had the employees pre-notified and had it written down in some type of handbook or something. And that was the only place where it was legal. Like, for instance, you were allowed to search clear backpacks. You know, like you see the people that work at Best Buy. They all have clear bags, all the employees when they come in and out. And that security loss prevention person at the front searches it at the end of their shift every day. You're allowed to do something like that. But if it came to, you know, searching somebody's person before they go into a nightclub, that's actually not a licensed security guard function. So a lot of times, especially in North Carolina, again, don't know about Missouri, but if you've got a security officer at the door of a nightclub, they're not licensed by the state. So therefore, all of all, if any of the training that these people have comes from the establishment itself and it's not regulated by the state at all. And a lot of times you see off-duty police officers at bars, and that's why, because our laws here don't allow for a trained professional to be at the door. They can't search somebody properly to begin with because they have no formal training. So what are you going to do? Are you going to search somebody and be like, oh, I didn't feel a gun. I don't know. Well, usually they have a wand or some kind of metal detector or something that you're going through now. I mean. Really? Yeah. I mean, the last, I I mean, I haven't been in a while, but the last one I went to, there was definitely a wand. So Even then, is that is that the type of place weapon. that you want to attend, first of all? Because if the wand malfunctions, guess whose fault that is? It's the wands. It's not my it's not my problem. The wand malfunction. It didn't beep. I didn't see that gun. I didn't feel that gun. Yeah. No, I mean, you're right. I would much rather go into a place where one, security isn't required, or two, That's, you know, if there are guards, then they are at least regulated by the state in some way. Yeah, but I mean, held that's to not, a higher standard. I can't, um, it's not going to predict or change what could happen, right? I mean, sometimes we're just in the wrong place at the wrong time and shit happens. Yeah. You know, I remember a couple of years ago that bar downtown, it's a scary bar. It kind of, is it called Alchemy or something? Oh, I don't know. It kind of looks like ruins on the outside, like columns have fallen and stuff like that. And I remember during Halloween, 
when people sometimes when they're stabbing people, just kind of like jabbing people as they what were the sitting at the bar. Crazy, yeah. Crazy so people out there. I don't know. We just live in a crazy world. So just, I guess, don't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Just stay in your car. <laughs> stay home. I'm sure this guy's going to get in big trouble. He'll probably be locked up forever. And well, and you know what? That, that's be. something that we were always taught also as armed guards. You know, you, you go through a specific training unarmed. Mm-hmm. And then you're cleared to go through to armed. And at that point, that's when not only are you learning all your concealed carry laws, but also self-defense stuff also. And right. mostly it's focused on what you're responsible for, one, as an employee, and two, as an individual. And, I mean, you're still a private citizen as a security officer. So murder is murder. You know, even if it's in self-defense, unless in, unless you can claim that it was justified. It's not. Right. Sometimes these type of cases fall in our lap. We have worked a couple of cases where it's been like a club incident happened. You know, somebody got hurt or whatever, and they need us to go and do some digging, right? So as a a PI, they would kind of tell us what's going on. We would talk to whoever their client is. What the PI would do at that point is then to research on the club, see if there have been 911 calls out there, how many, what were they about, Right. Cameras, see if we can follow up on any of that. And then usually we do interviews of the bouncers, the bartenders, the club owner, friends of whoever the person was at that night. Right. And so you kind of just go around and get statements of everybody and you try to put the story together that way. And then you can help the attorney. That way you kind of have some inside information on the club, how they operate. You know, is this a dangerous club that, you know, there's something always going on. And that way they can either sue who they need or help the victim get some some help. So those are kind of interesting. They are hard to work because a lot of times, like, bouncers bounce, you know, they, they bounce around to different clubs. So bouncers go different places. They might work in multiple clubs. The club might have changed addresses. They might have moved. And in one case we were working, the girl ended up stabbing. She was being jumped. She went to a high school, and for whatever reason, I still kind of can't figure that out. She was just a target, and people hated her pretty much everywhere that she went. And for some odd reason, she decided to go out with a friend for a birthday. I think one of the girls was following her on Snapchat, and crazy girl posted a photo of her going out. And somebody either said, we're here, we're going there or something. Well, these girls showed up at the club, confronted her. She ended up like going outside to change her shoes or get something out of her bag or something like that. They followed her out and they ended up having a whole fight in the parking lot. And because she was scared, she stabbed the girl. The whole case is trying to prove that she was being harassed, that she was defending herself, you know, and it's hard when you have no wounds and the other person does. And the whole situation was kind of crazy. Like, they didn't call 911 while they were there, you know, left scene. and Shit, I mean, that, that happened to my husband. He didn't have any wounds, and the other person was very badly injured. But, I mean, it was discovered that it was complete self-defense. And, I mean, if you're going to be cornered, yeah. hey, look, look, you don't get to pick a fight with me and then choose how I respond. I mean, honestly. Right, but when you do respond that way and there's nothing that can prove exactly what happened, then you're right. you right. have no choice but to either hire somebody to help because a lot of times the police they're not they're not really going to go that far unless somebody right. died, just handle it in court, you know, and then just move on. For this poor girl who's been harassed for years, yes, it was kind of done for her to go out, 
but you can't yeah, live but you under a rock. Live your life, right? Yeah. You can't live under a rock all, all the time, and you've got to you've got to move on, and you can't leave where you live. You know what I'm saying? You've got family and kids and all that good stuff. Bullies suck, man. And it's really hard to prove that unless you have them on camera, unless you have past incidents that have happened with somebody else that's willing to talk. You know, a lot of times these things have happened, but nobody wants to talk. Nobody's going to go to court and say, yeah. yes, this happened to me because, of course, then they feel like a snitch and, you know, kind of got to go. I really that hate thing. that whole mentality, too. It's hard. But then, you know, when you live that world, you live in that life and people know that you've been talking. You know what that is, though, is people just make you scared. I know. But I mean, you have also have to be bold enough and confident yeah. enough. Surround yourself with people that are going to help protect you and help make sure you're okay. And a lot of times people are in situations where they don't have that. They don't have any support. And they're really out here on their own. If you've got somebody damn trailing you, right. I mean, I think the That's girl- scary. The girl would like show up at her house and like post pictures of like her front door and like, bitch, you won't come out. And I mean, just they were rough. What happened to them? <sighs> Nothing really. I um, hope reality kicked them in the ass. Well, I just hope that the victim ended up dropping her side of the charges. The victim has like moved on with her life. It's been years. Maybe she'll let it go. I don't know. That's, That's one of those up. things as PIs again is you you never get closure on you don't know what happened. You mentioned early on when you were in the data collection that you were looking for security tapes and stuff like that. I see a lot of cop TV shows where they like look up across the street and they're like, there's an ATM, get the footage. Right. Do you guys have any sway with business owners if you see a security camera or is it just like as a polite I feel like we thing? just hope that they feel comfortable doing it or that they're willing to do it because a lot of people again they don't know who we are they don't know what we're doing they're not really sure what we can do or what we can ask them for but and to be honest we get involved in these cases so far after this video if, if the police didn't get this video during the time that it happened it's probably gone yeah because a lot of people yeah. record 48 hours and then exactly it's like over. yeah i mean the most is like a week or something but you know if you don't have any if they don't have any reason to get that video off it's going to be recorded over and then you have nothing so i guess that answer comes from i think i brought it up before i had asked i think mally I wanted to know something about a hotel or I thought that that might be potentially coming up in a case that I was working on. And I was like, so what happens if I just, you know, as, as a newer PI, what happens if I walk in there and just ask, you know, well, you I mean, can. I mean, you can. That's what he said. He was like, I mean, yeah, maybe they, maybe you could just go in, flash them your badge real quick, put it away and or they won't ask any questions. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> you don't know who's at the counter. I mean, shit, if that works, I don't know. All opinions expressed on this podcast do not constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available in this podcast are for general informational purposes only. The views expressed by participants are in their individual capacities only, not those of Blackman Detective Services. Listeners of this podcast should contact their attorneys to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information expressed in this podcast is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation. Are you in a civil matter where you need to locate and serve court documents to someone? You might want to have divorce papers served to a wayward spouse or locate someone who owes you money. The investigators at Blackman Detective Services have the resources and intelligence to track down debtors and others avoiding being served with subpoenas, orders, and civil complaints. 
When there's someone you just can't find on your own or that has a history of avoiding, hiring an experienced investigator can be the key to unlocking the next phase of your case. We haven't talked about Stumptown today, Stumptown. but in this Stumptown episode that we're going to talk about today, oh yeah, she, she does has that. yes, she's uh, like has a hundred people to go to before the lady calls her number, take a number, and yeah. the lady's like, "I'm vegan, get that shit away from me." You know, I, she's got all these things going on, and so Dex leaves and comes back with like vegan donuts and like uh-huh. a latte with like coconut or oatmeal milk, and she's yeah. like, "What do you need? How can I help you?" Right, and nice. Dex does things that are to me kind of. Well, she toes that line. Yeah. But that's what Mr. Blackman does. I mean, he will go out and yeah. chat up conversation with anybody. And the thing is, if you can make that person feel comfortable enough to talk to you about whatever it is, and you can convince them and make them feel good about that, I'm not going to, you know, turn around and call your boss and say, you got this information, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas type of thing right you know but usually if you're going to a business where something has happened outside or across the street they're almost leery to give it to you because they don't want to be involved right or they've already been approached so much that they're just over it exactly like so. that one case where I had to call up to the jails all the time and they knew exactly who my client was I'm like this client's new to me I just started and they're like oh, yeah, that was a can we talk again? about that case I think it's interesting because that was a case that you know there was our client was for sure that you know she had something that would be able to clear her name and the and other person sons. that was involved yeah and so she had the client kind of was a mother who came you. to us um whose son was incarcerated in another state he was put away for life for attempted murder essentially and a couple of other things and when she came to us she was not forthcoming with all of her information and didn't tell us that, you know, she was involved with his crime as well. But she has spent the last however many years where her adult son's been locked up trying to prove that he was set up by the police. Right. And so basically she wanted to hire a private investigator to look at all the discoveries of her case, to look at everything that had been found out by law enforcement and to interview as many people as possible and to try to prove what she truly believes is true, that her son was set up and that she says she won't right out admit, say that he's guilty of his crime. But she will say he was set up. Well, you know, there's always dramas to crime. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, people just don't say, oh, you know, I want to just blow this person's head off because I don't have anything else to do. Once you make certain decisions, the law is going to take over. And at that point, and for me as a young investigator, come to find out that when you cross state lines, I mean, that we were involving laws that I was not aware of at all. You know, North Carolina is not the same as all the other states. Everybody's no. a little bit different. And yes. with their particular crimes, they were cross-crime states. And so I had to consider, you know, the way two, two places in law enforcement were going to look at things. And really all we can do is just kind of follow up on whatever leads that she gives us, right? Mm-hmm. And And as you discovered, once you started making phone calls and getting to the right place. There was um, a lot of leads. There were so many news stations that had tried to cover her case multiple counties multiple law enforcement agencies you know across both states there were national news agencies who had looked at her case because being set up by law enforcement I mean hey if you've got a case if somebody's looking to write a book about you which there were there was an author and I reached out to her and then everything just kind of dropped you know like these these news stories would start and then the coverage would stop I wonder why that was right well come to find out (laughs) he was very guilty of his crimes and so was she and damn, yeah. I hate to say that, but look, I mean, honestly, I, I, she was she was blessed to be out. 
she was very blessed to be out and she was towing a line and she was just a mom that was very heartbroken about her situation yeah. in life and was trying to prove that that wasn't the case. But when it came to something like that, calling up all of these people, um, just like we were talking about earlier, who were familiar with her case and me as somebody who was just recently hired and not familiar with her case. Right. They were they were over it. They knew exactly and they were not willing to help me in any way. They just kind of gave tell me this, you. this bless your heart type attitude. Like, well, they didn't they tell you like, you know, we know exactly who you're, you know, and this guy is uh, they here her, her name, his yeah. name, everybody. So it was kind of like a dead end. And, you know, once we and then I think we did some research and found that there had been an appeal that yep. had already been filed and denied. She, she had tried this multiple times. And at that point, there was just really no point in continuing right. with the case. I mean, it's kind of one of those things like my heart goes out to you. I understand that you're you're very saddened by your situation. And right. you know, I, there's no possible way that I could ever understand what you're going through. I'm not judging you. But as a professional, right. I don't know that there's anything that I can do to help you with except to take your money. And I'm not taking your money anymore. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's, that's that was my first case, y'all. That kind of sucks. Like, <laughs> I was, was like, it? oh, it, it was. <laughs> it was my first case. I was so sad. I really wanted to do well. I really wanted to help somebody out. I wanted to have the good guy be my client, and it turned out that yeah, the good, <laughs> the good guys hey, are almost Hollywood. It does not work out like that, even a little bit. Yeah, so. most good guys probably don't need a PI. Uh, I mean, we did have one. We had one really good guy that caught got caught up in a really gr nasty situation, like a criminal. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of good guys in domestic cases for sure. This no, this was criminal. Oh wow! He had met with a girl, and they ended up, you know, having an, a fun night, right? And it and it involved some drugs and and some alcohol. And he woke up, and he was beat down. He had bite marks all over him. The house was torn up. And he woke up to the cops knocking on the door. And so when they came in to, you know, figure out what was going on. Sounds like a movie. He kind of had, yeah, he kind of had some knowledge on the law. And he never gave a statement, which was good for him. Never give a statement if you don't know what the hell happened. Because they will bury you with that shit. So he did not give a statement. And what we did was we ended up. I don't know what happened making a statement. Like he was just quiet. He didn't say anything. That's good. He yeah. did not speak. Plead the fifth. He would no. He didn't speak. <laughs> he just like sat there, and they were like, "He's not talking." And they, you know, asked him. You know, I think he confirmed like what yeah. his name was, of course, because he lived there. I wonder if he was in shock a little bit too. That's a he was heck of a he way was drunk up. and hung over is what all that was. And but like I said, he had Maybe some knowledge of the favor. law, right? And he didn't say anything because he knew like whatever I'm getting ready to say is probably not, you know, going right. to be good. So we ended up doing some research on the other person that was involved and come to find out she was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. She had done this multiple times to different people. And we ended up actually sealed the deal. Her ex had a like 10 page letter that was written by the lady's mom, basically describing all the mental conditions that she's had since she was a child. We went to court and this was one of those things like if you know that you are not guilty of whatever it is or there is a true you know reason behind the reason why you, you acted the way that you did if you follow the correct protocol like literally we did everything like he came to us probably and this is what happens why you have to make a decision to come to a PI as soon as this happens the longer you wait just like anything else it's like 48 hours like if you don't have a suspect within the first 48 hours you have nothing and it's like major case 
a hundred times harder than it had to be. He came to us immediately. We took pictures of all of his bruises, all the bite marks. We had that, you know, pictures that we took. So we were able to like time, date, stamp, all of that stuff. And we literally followed up on every lead that we could from this woman. And like I said, ended up coming with this 10 page medical document. Her parents were like, shrinks or psychologists or something oh wow and, and they were really willing to no no this was the her ex-husband had oh, this yeah. had this document from his divorce and so he was like I fucking hate her you can get whatever you need so I was like well can I come meet you and I, <laughs> I drove you down like now and, I drove down and met him at like a little gas station and he like went into like a two I mean literally stood in the parking lot for like two hours talking about this lady and all the drama went to court with our client Mr. Blackman went, myself, all of her exes, <laughs> wow. like, I mean, everybody. And it was like his side was full. She didn't even show up, dropped the case, case dismissed, and it was over. Hmm. So we, like, saved his life almost because had he been charged with that, his career would have been ruined. Yeah. His whole life would have changed. So, you know, when these things do happen and you are either afraid to go to the police or you still have um, options you have options call and call us you know what i'm saying like what's awesome about black men is that we do have allison and mally who were who are retired rally police and they've worked everything from narcotics to homicide so <laughs> anything criminal right i have my bail bonds license you get yourself in the right place with the right people document this stuff get some time date stamps on things like don't let a lot of time lapse and you might have a chance either that you're going to be one of the clients in jail because once they picked you up and, you know, taking these statements. We'll work for you then, that too. That embarrass you. I know. We'll do that, too. But <laughs> I'd rather you much rather, I'd much rather the person be in the situation that this guy was. Yeah. Than yeah. to be having to visit him behind bars. Now you're working backwards to me at that point. Right. Because nothing had been done by the police because it wasn't really a whole, still kind of like in its preliminary stages. So that was cool. So we do work for the good guy. Yeah, we do work for the good guy. In some criminal cases. All right, Stumptown. Stumptown. Woo. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right, I so. I like we uh, needed a giggle. The Past and the Furious Stumptown episode 11. Dex works to find a fellow veteran's birth parents after he discovers that he's adopted. But I cried a little bit. Heartstrings. It was a little bit sad. And again, Hollywood. Dex has this party. And she wakes up to her new client in her house asking her <laughs> to do a job. And he says, Oh, yeah, you know, her the, business address must have been listed at his No, no, home. no. He went to the bad alibi looking for her and they told her where she lived. I would be hot. Yeah. Don't you dare. Right. Tell somebody where I live. If I'm and he hot. just like walked in her living room, first of all. Well, because her door was probably open because of the party from the night before. Oh, yeah, there was a naked man. Yeah, looking for breakfast or something. <laughs> Dex, do you have coffee? Do you have coffee? That was so. Also, she didn't know how to make coffee. Like, come on, get your life together. I got the impression that <laughs> like on. Ansel always made coffee, and yeah. she's just very helpless. Oh, right? Is that what very happened? Very helpless. Because I heard her say something about I came over here to get coffee when she went to Grace. Right, and she's like, "Uh, cause yours is so good." Yeah. I have to. And that's when Ansel said that you made the coffee. So, so I don't um, know. So the I guy identified comes. with her with that party, though. I mean, that's definitely been me a couple of times. Just Moving on. <laughs> I was like, which wah, wah? part? Uh, the part that had me all sad was the finding birth parents. When they finally showed up, his friend bought him a DNA test 
as a joke, he says, which, ha, 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 very funny DNA test. I have you done it. one? Ancestry or something? I have one at home. I haven't done it yet. Really? Oh, cool. I need to do it. I have not. I would like to. I keep telling myself that I'm going to, but I, my brother's adopted, and I kind of feel like we should, he should do one, or <laughs> or we should no. do it together. I kind of, I don't know. Or if I did, maybe I just wouldn't tell him. I don't know. That just feels weird. It feels like kind of... It feels like divisive between me and him. Actually, my husband and his brother and my brother were all from the same children's home. From the same children's home. That's not where they're from. You know That's what I mean? cool. But, yeah, yeah, but they all came through. Yeah. That. The same adoption agency. Yeah. My husband and his brother, I mean, they're obviously, when you look at them, they're obviously adoptive brothers. You know, they don't look alike or anything. And his parents are white. They They grew up very much knowing you know, that they were adopted. Right. Right. I don't really know how to say it, but so my husband's parents told him his entire life that he was Native American and he looks very much Native American. Right. Just his skin tone and his hair and his eyes and all that. And his bill, I mean, just everything about him, like his entire life. They even told him that he was Apache. Like he had, he had things hanging in his room, like dream catchers everywhere. His parents would like raise him. Why did they think that? Why did they tell him that? They, that's what they were told by the children's home. They were told that his mom was white and blonde hair and blue eyed and that his father was Apache. And that's what the children's home told them. And then his brother, you know, it was, I guess it was different. He took his DNA test and he's like a hundred percent European there. (laughs) (laughs) So that was was one of those things. We all had kind of a good laugh about that. I mean, not that it's hilarious, but that's kind of funny, right? It's kind of connected with this episode. But in this episode, they were basically stealing. There was this church that was stealing children from good mothers at the reservation and basically falsifying documents that the mothers were well they said that his mother was on drugs right and because she was on drugs that's why they took the baby yeah she was unfit so they took the baby and gave them to you know a good family right and it was a church that was doing this which was strange but basically dex's job as a pi was to track that down and then find the people who were in charge of this church which had since been shut down so she approaches them of course kicks ass you know like completely takes the gun apart and throws all the pieces on the ground and mid fight. We'll go back to that piece. So I thought that was interesting. So she goes in there to speak to this woman who pretty much used to be like the head person of this adoption agency or church that has since been shut down. No, no, no. The adoption agency shut down, but the church was still operating. Right. I think they turned the adoption agency kind of like into a church, like like a front. It was, it was kind of weird. And all the records were gone. Right, all the so that's oh, when she question. Went, yeah, when she was bribing the lady with the vegan snacks. Right. Where where was that? What is this like mysterious that, window? It was a <laughs> like an adoption. It was kind of like what's the place that you go to? Maybe it was like a social services yeah, or something. Yeah, it looked like social like service, CPS. social security. Maybe office. she went to like CPS and was like look up this everything agency. you have on this adoption agency. I thought it was like the place where you go to register your LLC, like the one in downtown Raleigh. That's the vibe I got, like where you go to file a DBA or something. Oh. Would you be able to go somewhere like that and ask them? You'd have to bribe them with something because I don't think that would be common. What were all the other people waiting in the lobby It should be public records, though. It should be public records. I guess everything's so digital now. I'm like, where's this magic window where there's a lady on the other side and I can ask her questions? Well, you you can go down to the Secretary of State and there's somebody at that window. If you have a library card, you can go get access to the database that has all the businesses' tax records. Right. 
Well, see, I, I thought I thought it was a CPS thing simply because she was asking about the specific adoption agencies. And to me, CPS would be the people who knew who know the adoption agencies because they're the people who are placing these children either in a foster care or whatever. Right. So and I forget the people that had whatever information that they had that she kept turning them down. I didn't get she, she didn't give anybody enough time for me to figure out like what yeah. they were there for because she was like, mm, nope, you got an attitude. Matter of fact, go sit back down. Right. It's like you suck. She asks for this information about the adoption agency and all the uh, files are sealed. And so she goes and refers refers she to goes somebody to Sue else. Lynn. Is that who it was? Yeah. And she's like, look, I've heard of this place. It's a different reservation. But Sue Lynn being, you know, all knowledge of all Indian reservations and everything, Portland. <laughs> she knew exactly who Dex was talking about, the, comp- the, the, the adoption the agency. That place used to, you know, take babies from their parents and give them to other families and, and blah, blah, blah. So Dex, or a lot you know, of money. That's yes. Kind of like right. the unspoken thing. Right. For all this. Well, what do they got? That's for a tax things now what's what do you call it when you there is an adoption fee like even going through very legitimate adoption companies right but I it's got the expensive imp- yeah, yeah she I was got, like black market babies yeah. right. this was like black market i babies. got the impression that it was all for the money it was kind yeah. of the gist of what it was yeah at. and they were just preying on the laws of the reservation she gets the information from sulin she goes and confronts this woman and basically kind of gets the lady to uh, confess to everything that had happened or at least to and recorded Verify. her on her cell phone in her pocket. Right. So I don't know about Portland, but in North Carolina, it's a one-party state. So only one of us has to um, agree to, that we want to record the conversation. So that could totally have been done in North Carolina, what she did. Right. So just to clarify, people ask that all the time. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks that you, for some reason, you have to be made aware that you might be being recorded. Probably, I don't know. Why do people think that? It's probably TV stuff because, you know, you always see like when it's an undercover cop, like if you're a cop, you have to tell me. Like people are just, they just right. think they also know stuff. Also not true. <laughs> right. <laughs> what I thought was strange about that scene you guys were mentioning is she beats that guy up. She takes his gun. Like what happened to the PTSD? She got a gun pulled on her. And she's, well, you oh, know, yeah. She, she's no, powered through that one. I think she only stronger. gets PTSD whatever like noises. I think yeah. it's the noises that kind of trigger her. I, I was like, this fool knows better than to point a gun at Dex. So she was like, okay, here's my phone. And then, of course, that was like, boom. She, like, knocked the man to the ground, you know, broke the gun it's in like three six, pieces. Five, and she's yeah. like, I'll, th- I'll be out of here now, you know. So I was like, yes. So they find out that the guy's mom is dead. Dex locates the dad. They found a storage room that had, like, all of the parents' stuff in it. I forget who brought him there, but then that's how she finds the dad. And yeah. she links up dad and the guy. They meet up at the bar. And so what happened? They had a great reunion, and then the dad was kind of flaky, and he was going to leave and ask Dex to, because it turns out what the the dad said is like, you know, the story he'd been told was that his mom was the problem, Mm -hmm. but I was the problem. Mom was fine. Right. He just wanted to leave and flake out. That's kind of crazy. So obviously, because mom was part of the reservation, she wasn't appearing to be um, the best mom because she probably wasn't with this guy anymore. Right. And so maybe that was the reason that it made her unfit. But she died from an overdose. So three months before they found her. So. And and like literally right at the same time that the parents told him that this was going on. Did anything exciting happen at the end? It was the big reunion scene. So then Sue oh, Lynn yeah, had arranged. Cried. Yeah, she had arranged to get some of his remaining family from the from the reservation he was from to come out and meet him. And I think it was like an aunt and uncle and, and a couple other people. And they were like, We've been waiting for you in their cool little accents and 
Oh. Did you think they had an accent? They do have accents. <laughs> what is it? Very much so. That I don't listen to them talk. I can't explain I it. They, they have an accent, talking. right? I guess that would be an Indian accent. It <laughs> is. It's like a native accent. Okay. It's weird. It's kind of like a Minnesota sound. Like, I don't know. Like Bobby's World, Minnesota? <laughs> what? Didn't yeah, know. sure. You betcha. Like that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I mean, Americans talk. <laughs> yeah, sure. You betcha. <laughs> Not like Canadian. <laughs> I don't know. Canadian. <laughs> but it, I don't know. Like, if they had an accent, he was very moved by it. So I thought that was awesome. It was sweet. That, yeah. He found his that family was like at the end of the day. Best case scenario. So then what happens? Gray got roped in, so it turned out it was heroin. They got brought into yes. the heroin oh, yeah. game. Because they were like, there's got to be something else besides stealing cars. So he meets, you know, this badass car stealer girl. I guess they're still trying to test him out. And the guy, Hoffman, decides to put a GPS on this Porsche that they've given Gray to drive around as this the car that he got. Yeah. Did I'm you loved. see how small that GPS was? Yes. It was like this big. That was like a FBI. What the fuck? <laughs> Where are those? <laughs> well, even the little ones aren't that small. No. And, and to me, it may have been. I bet you they're, they are that small though. We just can't afford them. I don't know. Ours are much bigger. We can afford them. We just don't have. I just, somebody needs to We like the ones that we have. Yeah. Ours are nice. <laughs> they work well they, they do what they need to be doing so that's really all that matters cops aren't looking for our people so gray found it and he stuck it's it on an ice cream truck because yes, he would have been dead been in trouble they'd have killed him yeah they'd have killed him so but to come to find out at the end of the thing these people want him to move some heroin so we're getting ready to see how that goes doom, 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 doom. so also the police officer put the gps like she was like oh yeah back rear bumper the further in the vehicle you put it, the harder it is for the signal to reach the satellite. So oh, the you want it to be kind of like my go-to. Well, I have a go-to spot. I'm not going to tell everybody where it's at. Right, but. but we had an issue with, and you didn't do it, but we had an issue with the vehicle that had a lot of like fiberglass on the bottom, and so there's got to be two That's options, an issue. right? I hate fiberglass. Um, Hashtag fuck fiberglass. Fuck fiberglass. Yeah. So <laughs> on your PI, you get that. Like, yeah. <laughs> so on our fiberglass vehicles, we've decided to fix that with a nice old handy Velcro tape. So we were talking about the Indian res- reservations and they have different laws and rules. And I just wanted to share um, a little story before we get out of here about a case that we were working that just happened to come across a week or so ago. A gentleman who he went to jail. He got out of prison and his first kid's mom was not the best mother that she could be. She had a lot of drug issues and lived out near a reservation. And she and another woman decided to leave the children at the house. No electricity, no water. God. And went off, I guess, on a binge or something. I don't know what they were doing. Well, the children, you know, get antsy in the house and hungry and decide to leave out. They leave out of the house, go to a grocery store or something and try to steal food. Get caught stealing food. Leave the, the grocery store end up running across the street, almost get hit by a car, end up in the hands of the police. And what happens is because this child has some Native American in him and mom was unavailable to take him, they ended up putting him on a reservation in like a, not foster care, but like a group home or something. Oh my God. And this kid lived in the uh, group home for like two years 
with no parents. Yeah. So our client ends up getting out of jail and he has to get his life together like lickety fucking split because he is, you know, in contact with the reservation and they're like, you know, basically you have to be a good home for us to, mm-hmm. you know, get the child back to you. And he was able to, you know, get things together. He and his girlfriend were able to, you know, get the house in a situation. The people came, checked out the house to make sure that it was, you know, good living conditions for a child. And he ends up getting his kid back after two years. But I was just thinking the poor child has been like traumatized in so many ways. This whole reservation thing, I didn't even realize that the laws were so separate and that Mm -hmm. there was just no crossing that. Right. Right. They have their own law enforcement. I mean, yeah. So this guy's family, his mom and sister were trying to get the son from this reservation. And they just were like, absolutely not. Unless you are the parent. My mom grew up in the system until she was 18. Yeah. I mean, she aged out. I wonder if they take, they probably take care of them really well. The thing is, I guess, getting them back out of that situation without being, you know, 18 and being able to make that decision on their own. I mean, where does the funding come from? There's a book series and it was a made in Netflix, made in a TV show called Longmire. It's a popular series about. I've heard of that. Um, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. He's friends with the local reservation and. It seemed to be from that show, and it's a TV show, so i got to take it with a grain of salt, that the main problem seemed to be underfunding. They just didn't right. have the funds right. to do the job that they wanted to be able to do wow. to support their community. Yeah. That's crazy. That's but that's what happened. I, I don't know. I'm trying to be ugly. But that happens whenever you want to be a separate entity from certain things. You have to, like, take well, all of that into consideration. Well, I didn't want to be, first of all. We, <laughs> well, that was that we, we made them. Yes, we. <laughs> I'm, I'm ignorant to it. That's like segregation no. all over again. It, it's exactly what it is. Oh god! And there's a Cherokee reservation That's in so Hendersonville, sad. right up the street. Oh, I didn't Hendersonville know that. or Henderson? Henderson? Hendersonville, North Carolina. Oh, where is that? Is that in the mountains? Is that like a mountain picture up there? I'm just making that. What's up the other one that we have? Don't we have like a Lumbee? Lumbee tribe is in. Uh, but I don't think they have a reservation. I just thought it was oh, like the Lumbee just, people were yeah. out there in like New Bern area. Right. But I don't think that's it's a not reservation. a reservation. It's just. That is terrible. Yeah. Um, Definitely not a chapter of U.S. history that's super Of course. Right. America. Well, okay, so, so I'll leave us on. is about uh, two hours okay. west of Charlotte. West of Charlotte, which is why I have no idea. Yep, that's way out the way. That's almost a Tennessee. I kind of want to learn some more about Asheville. reservation okay. laws now, at least like local ones. Maybe that's something we should know about. Well, look it up just in case we can. I mean, if there's you know, anybody out there that knows anything that wants to call in, ask the sleuth, you know, we've got a new call in feature. Yeah, that we can we use. can definitely set it up to where we can have you guys on air with us and you don't have to be in the studio. It'd be really nice to have somebody since we do talk about Stumptown almost every episode and it is always tied to a reservation and we clearly know nothing about it. Maybe <laughs> maybe if nice. there's somebody out there that wants to kind of share a little bit and, you know, help us have a greater understanding. Right. That'd be cool. I love it. Thanks for listening to the show. Follow us on all of the socials if you need to ask us a question. Except for Twitter. Ask the sleuth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can. No That's Twitter. I don't, I don't have time for we Twitter. Just cross post on Twitter. Do you post on Twitter? Cross post. Okay. Well, Anything that will automatically better. go there goes there. That's better than I don't even know how to sign into it. I'll take it. That's okay. Um, <laughs> doing a great job. I love, I love all the marketing. All the marketing. Marketing guys. manager win. Yeah. Don't know that password. <laughs> Again, follow us, subscribe to The Sleuth, listen out for us next week, share with a friend, and see y'all next time. 
We want to hear from you. Are you stuck in a complicated situation and you just need some advice? Email your story to askthesleuth at gmail.com and we'll read it on air. We'll give our opinion and so might our guests. We'll talk through your situation, but don't worry. We'll keep all of your information confidential. That's askthesleuth at gmail.com. Blackman Detective Services. Check out our website at blackmanpi.com and follow us on Facebook. We don't sleuth shame. Subscribe to The Sleuth on your favorite podcast app if you really want to know.